welcome back to uh, PNH Expanded with Mike McDonald after a um, an odd game, a weird game against Watford, um, stressful somewhat. Yet I didn't feel like they were going to score, but just a case of the you never knows, right? So anyway, let's crack on the um, the sliding doors moment. I want to go a little left field with this one. I watched that Arteta 30-minute interview with Amy Lawrence on the uh, the website. I would nudge you in that direction if you haven't yet watched it. It really is quite something um, super interesting. And the word that he repeated more than any other, and I think the message he was trying to get across to the fan base, was unity. And uh, I don't think he was... He was trying to convince us, um, uh, you know, uh, and blind us, uh, you know, much like listen to Boris Johnson or or such. Um, I think he was trying to really help us understand what's going on and what the big change is. And a bit of a clue as to what happened during that international break where he said it was such an epiphany for him and two of the greatest weeks of his life and thoughts like that. Because when I watch the team... Now, that's what I see on the field, you know, and it's uh, permeated into is it five clean sheets this season out of 11 games. And that's not something we ordinarily have been used to under Arsenal um, regimes in the past for, I mean, quite a long time. Uh, and I just get the feeling that there's such a, uh, a team-wide determination to keep clean sheets and to and understand the importance of the details of um, of how you achieve those. And what was so interesting to me is the Smith-Rowe sub because he'd not tracked um, his runner uh, and he was fatigued from having to chase somebody back. And as I said in my blog, and, and make that 40-yard run in order to keep that clean sheet and stop a, a dangerous Watford attack. But the willingness to do that compared to what I've been seeing in, in United... Um, who, of course, are now a direct rival to us. And just those small details that that show me that there's such uh, unity, I suppose, in the team and a, a true desire to to not just say that we're moving forward and have that stuck on a wall as a slogan, but to actually move forward and move up the table. And this season, you know, if West Ham can challenge for Champions League, why on earth can Arsenal not think that they can do the same. And if Manchester United are lingering around fourth place and Tottenham are still lingering, then why on earth can Arsenal not think that they should have a a great opportunity? And so it's not really being talked about yet, and I think we're just sheepish to do so. But um, that unity, and to be fair to West Ham, when I watch them too, the same thing, I think is going to push one of us into... Uh, either contention or top four and keep us there because when you do anything as a group, be it football, be it in the workplace, be it as a family, if you have unity and you have a common mind, which is the other uh, the other quote that Arteta left us with at the end of his interview was the one mind thought, uh, you know, I was suckered into thinking that one mind was sort of part of his robotic football and trying to get the players to think like he thought about football and now I'm thinking it's more about this unity of of desire 
um, that we had in each training session and each moment and each game and each everything that everybody has a similar drive and determination, uh, even those that aren't involved. Um, I see the smiles on Martinelli's face after every game. And in the past, I would have seen such a talented young player worth 40 million plus, you know, looking frustrated, coming out in the press, using his agent to show dissatisfaction at his minutes over the last year or so. But there's, again, it seems like there's something different going on at Arsenal. And if there's anything that drives me to believe that we might actually have a more memorable season than we thought initially, I'm buying into the unity. Um, and this game, as again, my blog was called a different kind of thing, it was a different kind of thing. And it was, I had to stand back from the game and the emotions and the stress to realise that that's what it was. And it probably was that unity that brought us through, wherein in other uh, previous games, I think we would have buckled uh, and, and there wouldn't have been players piggybacking others to get them through the game. So the positive I would like to grab uh, was uh, Saka against Rose. Just can't help myself. Danny Rose seems to be such an angry chap and uh, seems to um, be tumbling in... Uh, in performance and standards. And uh, Arsenal and Arteta were clever to go to Sakura, I suppose. And there I am contradicting my thought that I thought we should have gone left in the first half more in my uh, in my blog this morning. But but Danny Rose seemed to be rather easy to, uh, to bite at Sakura and allow him past. And he wasn't uh, getting a whole lot of help, to be fair to him. And then Danny Rose did what Danny Rose does, which is he gets angry to the point where he bails, and it reminds me of other Arsenal players um, who have the tendency to bail, whether it's Mustafi or Xhaka in the past. And he bailed and got angry and, and whacked uh, Lacazette and pulled off his wrestling move. Uh, so that was, uh, that was quite lovely. And uh, it was just a joy to see Saka, um, you know, live in that, uh, that enjoyment of uh, being free on the ball. I, I just felt that he was... Back to that uh, initial sacker that we'd seen, that he didn't seem bogged down by tactics uh, and expectation. I just felt a freedom in his game. Um, okay, the the need that I wanted to pick out, and gosh, I, I sort of hate to pick anything out when a, a day and a run has been so good, but you know, I, I want to be open-eyed about the fact that there's always something that we can improve upon. And if there was something that I wanted to grab from this game, I think there were just a few, let's say, five or six moments in the game in critical areas of the field where we didn't turn. And as a coach, I just... That's one of my soapbox's standpoints. It's one of the small details that I coach that seems to make the single biggest difference. I have a list of them. The other one is, of course, these are youth players, is is jockeying and, and seeing if you can, uh, in drills that we do, play defence without tackling. And it's a really interesting discovery for a player of, uh, of how you can become a stronger unit if you delay a player. And, and, the, and the other one is, is turning and how you can make such a quick difference in... Um, the outcome of games, 
if you can master, it's more the communication than anything else. And the players around the player who is about to receive the ball, telling him in ample time to turn because they can see that he can turn and he maybe hasn't scanned and or hasn't got the vision to know. Of course, the modern game has become uh, more about setting the play, which is, you know, receiving it higher up and dropping it backwards and allowing other players to get into the five vertical lanes ahead of the play and get organised offensively, which never used to be a thing back in the day, whatever the day was, um, that, that there had to be offensive structure. But now, of course, as I've explained with the Juega de Posición style football that uh, Arteta has bought into, the offensive structure is directly linked to the defensive structure because if you are in uh, certain places, certain lanes, vertical lanes on the field, and you can be organised offensively when you do lose it, as inevitably happens, you can be close enough um, and have the automatisms to know where to go defensively. Anyway, I digress. The importance of uh, turning can change it all. And I feel like there was one moment when Lacazette in the first half when we were getting a little frustrated after we'd scored, but we didn't because it was ruled out. And he got the ball about 25 yards out and he was he was open to turn and either shoot or lay it off, I think, to Saka. And he laid it backwards and he didn't turn. And he wasn't, I guess he wasn't uh, communicated to. Uh, Maitland-Niles did it a couple of times and of course we get frustrated because he's the guy that's got the athleticism to turn and burst. So you, you know, again if Xhaka, gosh I'll pick on Xhaka again, if Xhaka gets the ball and passes it backwards when he could turn, you don't really get quite as upset because he doesn't have the hips to turn, the desire to turn so much and so you don't expect it but this new Arsenal team has become more dynamic and seems to want to counter-attack and play at a higher pace. It's all good, right? But we need players to recognise those moments. And if I was to pick on one player that does it more than any other, it's actually Smith-Rowe. And as good as he's been, I think people need to help him realise when he's got, and not even the amount of space that somebody would, that like Lacazette would need. Not at all, because... He can play in tighter areas and he can accelerate so much quicker than somebody like Lacazette. So, just a thought moving forward. Okay, so I've got two more thoughts here, two more hopes. One is I just wanted to get upset about Ben White not being picked for England. Of course, maybe that's you know that's good for Arsenal and maybe he gets to rest and I mean, that's a good thing too and he's not playing for the under-21s and... Maybe that's a big part of why he's been so uh, consistently improving for Arsenal. So so what, what am I talking about, right? Because this could be a good thing. But I suppose as an England fan too, I watch what Southgate's doing and I appreciate what he's done. And I sometimes wonder when I think we need to get rid of him, that it could be like a Pochettino moment where... You know, he gets you further than you've been in such a long time, as Pochettino did at Spurs. And you just want to take the next step, like Spurs thought they could, and now they look a million miles away from that. However, what I don't understand is that Ben White offers something that nobody else, bar 
Maguire and Stones are offering. And Maguire's not in form. His form is actually pitiful and doesn't even deserve a place in the England squad. But much like Pickford and Harry Kane and some others, to their credit, they perform for England. So, okay, you pick them. But um, Ben White's all-around game has improved so much to where there doesn't seem to be a hole. And this ability to drive forward in the modern game and bring the ball into the opponent's final third causes chaos because the other team doesn't prepare for how you deal with that. And if you can do that and release it, then that can be your game-winning moment. Uh, So, again, like Smith-Rowe and like Ramsdale, I suppose, their time will come. All they have to do is just keep doing, right? Keep improving, keep doing what you're doing, and you cannot be ignored for too much longer. Wanted to finish with thoughts on Vlajevic. Um, I'm feeling a little bit too clever here um, because I keep accidentally bumping into picking the uh, transfer targets that the club end up uh, going for, as I did with some of the ones in the summer. And um, maybe this one is a little more obvious and easier to pick out than than some of the other ones. But Dusan Vlajevic, you know, it seems to be wanted by many clubs. And I just wanted to give those that have not YouTubed him yet or watched him play for Serbia or uh, or don't watch him play for Fiorentina or can't, give you a window as to what he's like and maybe a comparison. The best comparison I can give you, which I think is the most useful piece of information, is, to me, he has the potential to be what we hoped Olivier Giroud would have been. Olivier Giroud was a good Arsenal player. At times, he was very good. And to be fair, at times, he was excellent. And Olivier Giroud has had a fantastic international career and consistently produced the goods uh, for most clubs, actually, apart from Arsenal, uh, where he was a little more inconsistent. But the thing with Giroud is that I think we would have... Well, I know we would have stuck with him and we would have loved him. In fact, we would have wanted a statue of the man if he had pace. Now, Vlajevic doesn't have pace at the top of his list of qualities. He has aerial ability, uh, finishing accuracy, movement in the box. His left foot isn't too different to Van Persie's. It's really quite impressive. Um, Strength, uh, he's 21 years of age, so he fits into our age profile. But he has uh, sufficient pace to be troubling in that aspect. And he can run with the ball, uh, which Olivier Giroud couldn't ever really do. And off the ball at a pace enough to where he's going to be a problem. And uh, so what you've got is you've potentially got the whole package with this guy. His first touch and his passing numbers aren't uh, at the top Uh, level right now but again he's 21 for two to three seasons he's consistently scored 20 plus goals and he's doing it just so you know against the better teams both internationally and in Syria and again he's 21 and as far as what Arsenal need if you look at what we don't have we don't have when we're under the cosh we don't have a player to hold the ball up who's big enough strong enough and has the desire to do that of course Lacazette tries but is only so big and hard to dominate a, 
a defender that's six foot three. Well, well Vlajevic is, excuse me for not being uh, knowledgeable enough on this one, but he's at least six two, maybe taller, and he's a big unit. Uh, and we don't have movement in the box. So if you've followed me for a while and read and heard my thoughts on Abanyang and Lacazette, I've want, not wanted them gone, that's not right, but I've wanted a, a different type of player at the club that has far more dynamic uh, and hunger in their movement in the box because Abamyang sits predictably at the back post and Lacazette doesn't have much of any movement in the box. His greatest weakness. So this guy has that. He's making two runs. Sometimes he's making three runs and he is very deceptive in the box. And then, of course, there's the aerial threat. You know, Tierney uh, has been lauded for his crossing ability and, and does have very good crossing ability. And Saka, inverted on the right, whipping those balls in. But when they come in to a Bamiyang Lacazette, what do you feel like? Think on that. What do you feel like? I, I feel like it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And if Lacazette or Bamiyang get their head to it, I'm sort of in shock a little. Now, if we have a set play and we've got White and Gabrielle and such up there, I'm thinking, well, I've got a chance here but not in our centre-forward. And I'm not saying that, that Vlajevic or whoever it may be uh, ending up at Arsenal as, as a centre-forward has to necessarily start or play all the games. It's not that. I just feel like we are actually quite a well-rounded squad now. But that's the one thing we don't have. We don't have a centre-forward with aggression, great movement in the box and the aerial threat. So, um, last thought, watching Tavares today... And every time I watch Tavares, I'm seeing, and this is going to sound nuts, but I'm seeing Alexander-Arnold levels of crossing uh, ability to cross the ball at, and it's more the height that he can get it high enough to get it over the defenders, but low enough to where the keeper cannot come and get it. That is so hard to do. And this boy, of all the traits that we like in him and his power moving forward, that left foot cross is wicked and it's not being utilised at Arsenal uh, enough and it's not having end product on the end because we don't have uh, the players in the box to put that into the net. So if you're nervous about 80 million for Dusan Vlajevic, I would encourage you to not be. He was the player that I felt that Arsenal should choose because of his age, what he's achieved so far, playing for a a small to medium club in Syria, scoring over 20 goals, looking like he's going to do it again, again for a smaller team, akin to a Crystal Palace. And, you know, Crystal Palace haven't had that, I don't think, for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of a forward that could consistently do that. And if they did, they would be higher up the league. They've struggled. But Fiorentina, similar-sized club, have this player that is uh, out of their league. And he could be elite. And if Arsenal get him, then I think that we will have one of the final pieces to our first team. Not necessarily our squad, which needs uh, a little more work on its depth. But I think you'd find that he would be a wonderful addition to our squad and first team. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Cheerio.